Welcome to the Wildcast. Just finished an amazing conversation with Jordana Baruchov, who is a inspirational educator, a dean of a Jewish middle school in New Jersey. And we got into a lot of the details of some of the myths surrounding Judaism about women. What is the idea of a woman dressing in a certain kind of way? What is the idea of being public versus private, covering hair? Some of these touchy, sensitive issues she handled so magnificently, and there's so much to be learned from listening in. Please uh, tune in, and if you enjoy this podcast, I ask you to please subscribe by clicking below. Let's take a listen. Hey, hey, welcome to the Wildcast. I have with me Jordana Baruchov. Jordana, did I mispronounce your last name? Is that okay? I did not. Great job. Okay, thank you. So far, so good. Okay, so Jordana is, in, if it's okay, I'm going to call you Jordana. She yes. is a middle school dean and Judaic studies teacher at Yavna Academy, which is a great Jewish day school that I happen to know friends of ours to send their kids there, big fans of the school. Uh, Jordana is an inspirational educator. She shares her passion for Torah through her podcast or her weekly Parsha messages called Drink It In. Thank you so much for joining us, Jordana. Welcome. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so I'm going to get right into it. You're a proud, passionate female Jewish educator. Why do you think there exists this perception that religious Jewish women are submissive or that they occupy a less than important role in Jewish life? First of all, do you, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? And why is this perception out there? Okay, so this is a very, very juicy topic. So I'm so glad that you brought me on and I'm glad to be here. So thank you very much. And just uh, FYI everyone, these are my opinions. This is how I live my life. And you could agree or disagree. And I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm just here to share my thoughts. That being said, I, I don't agree with that statement at all. And I'll just start off with the first part that you had asked is, why do I think people have that perception? Okay, so I, I think it really goes all the way back. And that's my my big thing is that everything's from the Torah. I think it goes right back to the Torah, to a story of a man named Korach. This was in when the Jews were in the desert for 40 years. And Korach happened to have been Moses's cousin. And Korach initiates a rebellion. His rebellion was based on the philosophy, this might sound familiar, all men are created equal. <laughs> Wonder why that sounds so familiar. That is incorrect in Judaism. Doesn't mean one person is better than the other. We are just not equal in our um, responsibilities, I would say. Mm -hmm. I am not a priest. I don't know, are you a priest? No, I'm a okay. regular so, Israelite. Okay, so you're not a priest, I'm not a priest. You and I don't get to go up and do the priestly blessings on certain holidays, depending upon if you live in Israel, you get to do it on a maybe a daily basis, a weekly basis. No, I don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. Okay, doesn't make me a less of a Jew. Doesn't make you less of a Jew. Um, let's talk about another one. I fortunately am not what we call in Hebrew an almana. I'm not a widow. I, I didn't lose my husband. He didn't die. So when it comes to what we call gifts that are given in Israel, like we talk about farming gifts, certain people were entitled to those gifts. They were entitled to a corner of the field. They were entitled to anything that was left over in the field, but you had to be a certain category. Now, did it mean they were better? 
Did it mean the orphan was better than I am? Did it mean the woman who lost her husband was better than I am? We are just different. And that's how I always saw it. And I think always coming back from the beginning of time, from the Bible, there has been this misconception that we are intended to be equal and we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's already how I get started with my philosophy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really appreciate that answer because I, I, I think it cuts right to the core rub and intention between, let's say, Torah um, and Western society, because our world today wants everybody the same. Yes. Men, women within the male community, female community, like the, the idea that that we are all the same is is, you know, and, and I've always been I've said this in terms of honoring parents, like there's this tradition, I'm sure, you know, you're not supposed to call your parents by their first name. Now, a lot of people call their parents by their first name. But what is that? You never find that in Jewish tradition because parents are here and kids are here. And we're comfortable with that, but our, I think our society is taking us away from that kind of ideology and saying, you know what, we're all peers. And I mean, I happen to think that's it's 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 unhealthy, and we lose out because then you lose out on mentors, you lose out on people that can actually teach you something. Because if we're all the same, then who can really learn from someone? Else? You know, we can learn from colleagues, but not the same way you can learn from a mentor. But anyway, I. I um, I, I think I do. I agree with that. I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why. Well, you want to elaborate a little more. So therefore, what? So why? Therefore, do, 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 do you're saying because women occupy a different role in Judaism, that role is often associated with a lesser role because no, it's less no. public or. No, no, I don't. I, no, I think that's an, you're touching on something there because um, that becomes problematic. But we'll get to that in a second. If you remind me. Um, I don't think it's a lesser role. Again, it's just a different role. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, um, you know, I think one of the questions you had sent to me in advance reminded me of something one of my students had once written on a test. You weren't supposed this- to say that, by the way. Everyone has to think that this is completely spontaneous. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so kidding. sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Okay. One of your students, you were saying. What one of my students. students. So many years ago, I think it was my first year teaching. So we're going back you know, 27, 28 years, the cutest thing. He was in, it was a sixth grader. And in sixth grade, I used to have this practice of doing something called, in Hebrew, it was called Musag Hayom. In English, it's called the term of the day. And I would start off every Torah class by talking about a term on the board. And that would just get the conversation rolling. And it was just these terms that I felt, uh, you know, the average Jew should know. That's how I felt. But by the time they finish eighth grade, these should be terms that they're familiar with. So one of the terms I had on the board, and I'll say in Hebrew, it's called mitzvah aseh shel hazman grama, positive mitzvot, positive commandments that are dependent upon time. And so we discussed it, that there are certain commandments that we have that are confined to a certain time, that once that time goes by, you can't observe them anymore because mm-hmm. it's only connected to that time frame. So we spoke about it. We gave different examples and... One of the things I said in class is that women are not obligated in those commandments. Doesn't mean that women can't do them, but it means they're not obligated to do them. So it happens becomes the test. And um, I usually use them as extra credit. Now, one of the things we also discussed when we spoke about this is what are the reasons behind women are not obligated to do it um, is a myth and a non-myth. So the myth is, I, I think, something that um, 
you had in your questions, and it, it's a myth um, was that women are meant to be at home, they're meant to be with the children, and they don't have time to do these uh, obligations, these mitzvot, um, these commandments. But in actuality, the aspect of it being time-bound is connected to what I think all of our listeners have heard of when it comes to women. My biological clock is ticking. Right? What does that usually mean for women? That time is going by. Um, after a certain age, you're not going to be able to have children anymore. Um, uh, the pressure of maybe getting married, the pressure of maybe having the kids in that time frame, that women have a bi biological time clock, which is the menstrual cycle. So right. we as women, we have something inner within us that lets us know that time is passing by. So I know every month, that another month has gone by, another month has gone by. Biologically, I know that. Whereas a man doesn't have that inner clock. And so what God has done is he set up a system, he set up commandments that have been obligated by men to help them in order to be connecting to time so that they shouldn't wake up, even though you still could, and a woman could still wake up, obviously, and say when they're 80 years old, oh my gosh, I'm 80? What did I do with my life? Of course, everybody could do that. But Hashem, God, is trying to enable us. He's trying to give us tools in order to help us realize time is going by and that we should work on ourselves. So I gave this as an extra credit on the test. And this little sixth grade boy starts explaining on the test what this concept is. And he says the reason why women are not obligated in these commandments, because women were just created better. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was trying Sorry. to score point. He was yes. trying to score points with his female right. teacher. Smart kid. Yeah, it was, yeah. So just when I saw that in advance, I said, "Oh, that reminds me of so many years ago when that boy, let, you know, wrote that." So it was very cute. Right. But that—that's how I really see it. That we all have our roles. Yes. Let's go back to that private and public. I don't know if I could be—if I could be so explicit here. Yeah. Can I? Well, you know, but before you get to private and public, and I want yes. you to be explicit. Um, so that's that's the only way to get to the truth. But yes. wait, hold on to the private public. So yes. do you do you buy that explanation? I've been saying that for years. I do, it, which is a little more of a Kabbalistic idea that women are created on a higher spiritual plane, and therefore the mitzvot that women are uh, um, are not obligated to observe certain mitzvot that men are, because men need that for their spiritual perfection. Women have that already. Do, do you, no, do you, but you're changing a little bit what I said, if you don't mind. I didn't mm -hmm. say that women are on a higher spiritual level, even though there might be some women that might say that. I'm just saying we're on a different, we have different tools that are helping us. So we don't necessarily need the same tools to achieve. Right, the but, same if, but if you say, but if you say that you don't need something that a man does, I mean, it is in a sense saying, which by the way, I have no problem because I, 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 I think that's, I think that's the truth. That's my opinion. You are in a way saying, you know, you as a man need this because I already I was born with it. I was born with a biological clock. You are not. Or right. you need, um, I don't know, women and men are both obligated to pray according to Judaism. But men are only obligated, according to the halacha, to pray with a minion and with at certain times. It's meritorious for a woman to pray with a minion, but she's not obligated to do right. so like a man. So would you say, well, that's because a man needs that structure or man needs that I'm saying on a spiritual level on a halachic level, we know the difference, you know, behavior. Right. I, th I think, uh, you know, again, I'm going to go back to Bible. 
because that's me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going back to this very, uh, very famous story again, the golden calf mm -hmm. in, in the Bible. Um, we were waiting for Moses to come down and the Jews felt the need to have something tangible to connect to God. Moses was their connector. They didn't have him anymore. They thought he died. And so they convinced, right? A group of people convinced others to build this golden calf. The women did not partake in it. The women didn't need that tangible item in order to connect to God. And so if you look very carefully at the verses before the golden calf, God had said, wherever you go, I will meet you. Meaning if you want to pray in that corner, I'll go meet you in that corner. If you want to pray over there, I'll meet you over there. But as soon as they built the golden calf, the, the terminology changed. And then God said, build this structure and I'll meet you in that structure. Because what happened was he saw, God saw that, ah, they need this. They need something tangible. But it wasn't the women who needed it. Mm. Unfortunately, it was the men. So again, going back to another Bible source of just. I mean, it's, but it, seem, it seems to endorse this idea. That, that there are certain things that men need that women do not, yeah. or certain mitzvot that women champion that aren't as necessary for men. You know, because I think, I, think, I think that leads us to our private and public, if you don't mind me. Yeah, please, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Because, and I, when I use these terminologies, and I'm not talking about the workforce, and I'm talking about on a spiritual plane. I just mm -hmm. want to make sure that the audience understands that. I'm not saying that women aren't, shouldn't go out to work. I work. I work full time since I'm, you know, 20, 21 years old. So that, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying I shouldn't be working. I, I, I love what I do and I should be working. What I'm saying is that spiritually, our roles are different. Men are public, outward. Women are inward, even biologically. If you talk about the sexual organs, that's why I said, yeah. if you don't mind being mm -hmm. a little bit explicit here, I'm yeah. trying to do it in a very modest fashion. Men are outward. Women are inward. Men are meant to give over and women are meant to receive. Let's talk about it. Jewish tradition, Jewish law. When we talk about this, there are two commandments specifically about lighting candles, right? We have the famous Hanukkah candles and then we have the Shabbat candles. Generally, traditionally, the man is the one, the man of the house is the one who lights those Hanukkah candles, where do we place those Hanukkah candles? We place them by the window or by the doorway. What are they meant for? What's the purpose? Persumene Denisa, in order to express and expose and let the world know publicly there was a great big miracle, right? When it comes to the Shabbat candles that we light Friday night, that has been traditionally something that women do. It's one of those commandments that we say are special for women. Doesn't mean men can't do it. They can, but it was meant for women to do. What is the purpose? What's the sole purpose of those? It's something called shalom bayit, peace in the home, and also something called onik shabbat, enjoyment of Shabbos. That that is something done inside the home. Sometimes it's lit next to the Shabbat table where you're going to get use inside the house. So again, not only biologically is the woman inward and the man outward, but here are two commandments dealing with candles that truly represent 
the man's role and the woman's role. Now, again, it doesn't make one better than the right, other. Right, they're different. They're different. And, and I, this is so helpful um, okay. because I literally was just discussing this with a couple who I'm marrying. Please God, I do a lot of weddings. MJ is 377 matches, by the way. Little, wow. little uh, pat on the back there for our, our matches. But, uh, you know, the woman, the bride, was a lovely, very well-educated young woman, um, was a little put off because I said, you know, she wanted to do a double ring ceremony. The man was going to give her the ring. She wanted to give the man the ring. And I said that in Jewish tradition, the man gives the ring, the woman receives it. Now, if, when someone hears that, they're like, oh, the man's doing, he's doing the more important thing. She's just being passive. <laughs> but, you know, there's no giving if there's no receiving, obviously. Correct. And, 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 and I just think also just to match it up biologically, the way... And, and, and here's my question, and this was not in the prepared question, just as like now a conversation. You know, when, when we live in a world that celebrates the public, doesn't denigrate the private. People respect the private, okay? But we don't hold up the private as being as great as the public. Like the more out there you are, and social media is just making this, I think, is, I don't want to say making it worse, but it's emphasizing making it challenging, making it more, it's making, it's making it more, it's making this idea that like private reception, you know, cause it says the Talmud also, I can give you so many different things just to bolster everything. You, like the man's uh, role is to conquer. Okay. It says that the man, you know, the man's way is to conquer. It doesn't say that about a woman. Does that mean there aren't ambitious women who, are, who don't, of course there are. And does that mean there are meek men who would like to sit in the corner and not cut? Yes, of course. But generally speaking, it says a man's role is to conquer. And, but, so how do we, and, and I'm asking you for personal advice here because I love the roles that Judaism has set up for men and women, but not everybody does. I'm comfortable with them. My wife's comfortable with them. My kids seem to be pretty comfortable with them. But a lot of, of women and men out there feel that Judaism's traditional role it's old fashioned, it's archaic, it's sticking a woman in the kitchen, in the corner, it's private, where she should be, and, and it's all based on this idea that the more public, the more important, right, Right. which is, right, you know, and, and therefore, if a woman is not the rabbi, and she's not in the podium, and she's not leading the service, then what, she, what is she doing? She's just praying a couple of things to herself. It's very sweet, I respect it, but it's not as significant as being up there and out there. Right. What do you say to that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So I have a, I have a lot of things going on in my head. So give me a moment. Um, and we, by the way, I, you know, we can discuss this because I, I think it's, I think it's okay just to acknowledge that in our world celebrates the public so much that the private, which we consider so important, just as important as the public, gets gets you know it, it gets shafted it just like gets thrown out and we don't we're not um i, I just think there's that difference i don't know if it right. can be okay so there there are a few things that i wanted to talk about that you know there are certain hot topics when we um that that circle around that i've seen a lot um one of them is uh male and feminine sides of every person every person has a feminine side, everybody has a male side, what they tap into, what they don't tap into. But I will tell you, when we talk about relationships and connections, men 
enjoy being a woman with a woman who taps into her feminine side. Mm -hmm. And, and there are so many aspects to that. And one of them is that receiving that you were talking about. And I think that's very important to understand is that it is hard. I know I'm, I'm a huge giver. Like it's, I am a giver, 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 giver. And one of the things that I had to have learned as I got older is to learn to take in order to allow somebody else to give. And that was a form of giving. And I think one of the classic ways I, I learned and I train my brain for that way, if I might use it like um, is carpool. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's like I'm the biggest issue sometimes in my community. And I had, you know, all my kids and there was no busing here where I live. Six kids. It's like it takes over your life, carpool. And after a while, um, someone had mentioned to me, oh, I'll take your kids, you know, to school. I said, and what, what should I do for you? Oh, nothing. I said, no, 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 no. Like, that was like so devastating for me. What do you mm -hmm. mean? You're just right, going you're, to right, give me right. something? And then they said, well, you know, I have this minivan. What else am I going to do? I want to fill it up. I feel, you know, I want to uh, do something good with the van. So I sat with it. I sat with it 24 hours. And I said to myself, you know, if I was in their shoes, with a, at a shadow of a doubt, I would do the same thing they're doing. I would definitely want to give as much. So I started learning in my brain to be receptive of what others give me, especially when I know I would give it to them. And then I started this way of thinking and I didn't feel as bad in the receiving. And it happens to be, I had to work on that part of myself because I have a very strong dominant personality where I'm like a go-getter and go and do. But I had to learn to tap in to that aspect of myself that's a little bit more feminine. And when we talk about also, you were saying uh, conquer, I think the, the term I always hear, I don't know if people like to look at it, is the hunter, uh, you know, that, that's the terminology, or the chaser, that when you talk about relationships and dating, I know because you were talking about that couple, more often or not, if I know, again, I don't mean to generalize, but men will be turned off if there isn't a little bit of a chase. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no, just that, that. that's human nature. Again, right. again, we're only talking about generalizations here, right? Of course, there's always... Yeah, because who, you know, because who wants to belong to a club that you can become a member of too quickly? Too exactly. Easily? Everybody wants to feel like, I know. Right, or have a... Know, who, but... who, who wants, who wants, I might, who wants a, a, a gem that everybody uses? Right. <laughs> you want something a little bit more special that's been, that's on the shelf that shines so bright and so polished. Right. But, but how, let me ask you a question then, you know, with women, thankfully today out there mm -hmm. in the workforce, and that's, yes. I think, a good thing on many levels. It yes. has some, has, it has some issues with family life. There's no question. Yes. But, you know, in our world, I'm also, you know, I grew up like you did in the modern Orthodox world. It's very common. Most people are, most couples in our community, uh, the modern Orthodox community are having both husband and wife are working some of that's practical and some of that's career ideological. But what do you say to a woman? Because I am counseling women a lot in terms of dating. Okay. And, you know, to be successful in the corp in corporate America, you have to be a little aggressive. You can't take this back seat mm -hmm. and have everybody sort of coming to you. If you're selling a product, if you're, you're in branding, you're in, I mean, whatever it is, you're putting yourself out there and you're making yourself a little of a conqueror, like a man. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're being then asked, like on a date, do a little more listening, 
um, let the guy come to you a little more, play a little hard to get. Like, how do you make that? How would you suggest women make that transition if you're correct, which I think you are, that men need to hunt a little? They need okay. To, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to get a little personal. So I happen to be divorced. So I am back in the dating mm -hmm. world. So, mm -hmm. and like I said, I do come across uh, very strong, especially, you know, from my social media and things like that. Um, and from the job that I have and the presence that I have in the classroom, obviously I come, I, I, I have a strong presence, but I, from my knowledge and from my experience, men don't want to go out on a date all the time with a business partner. Right. Okay. So now I'm not saying they don't enjoy seeing that other side of you, but I think women who are so strong like that, it's okay to uh, let down their guard a little bit, even though it might be scary and try to tap into that other side. And there are tricks to the trade. <laughs> there are ways to do it. Um, I think let's hear, let's hear, can, can we hear one or two? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, how I was about to go. so I, for me, it's easy, uh, to do this one. I love dancing. So it's not like I, I'm not going out dancing with a guy, but I'm just saying where music is a way that I, that allows me to tap into my feminine side. So I think that's a great tool for some women that maybe before the date, listen to some music, listen to some music in the car when you're driving with your date. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong. You know, let them see a little a little movement that you could let loose a little bit. And it's not like you're in the boardroom, you know. Right. And I, I assume the kind of music you're talking about is not like, hard, you know, like uh, punk rock, hard rock. <laughs> you something that's going to that's going to get you a little more internal. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not a punk rock, a hard rock fan, <laughs> or rap. But no, I, I, I could see somebody listening to this and like, oh, she told me to listen to this stuff before I went on the date, and she shows up like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I, I have to listen to all other type of music. Just again, that's the modern Orthodox background that I have. Right. I, I'm not one of these people that gave up English music. Just FYI on that. Mm -hmm. So I do tap into that, and I do enjoy that a lot. Um, I even have that on my social media. I have something called carpool reels that I do all the time because carpool mm -hmm. is my life. And so I just sit in my car waiting online for my son and my grandson. And I just put on a song and I go, go to town. <laughs> you have, um, I'm just curious, you have a son and a grandson, both car in, in carpools. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm like grandma and Ima in this Wait, I saw, I saw in your bio, Leon and Harry, you have six children and six grandchildren. No, five grandchildren. Six five grandchildren. Five right, grandchildren. Yeah. Wow. Can I know? Leon and have a lot of nachos. That's beautiful. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Wait, wait. So, so, okay. So listening to any other tips, listening to music, get yourself. By the way, I think that'd be good for men too, just to kind of, um, I don't know, a little of a break from the day also. Yes. Um, you know, not to go right from the craziness of, I don't know, dealing with some, you know, big deal that they were involved in. in, in and then you're sitting across the table from some woman that you're trying to, uh, you know, get to know or wow a little. Um, I mean, it's great but, for marriage also, you know, before you yeah. before you walk in that door, uh, yeah. try to, you know, sh obviously, I'm not saying to ignore, never ignore your feelings or emotions. But perhaps if it was a challenging day, that's not the first thing you want to start with you know yeah that's that's always been very challenging for me i i live on the same block where i work 
I literally live on the same block as MGE. Uh, people listening to this who have been to my home for Shabbat know it's a very quick walk. And but it's not, you know, I don't have that break. So some, I, I've actually one or two times walked around the corner right. and passed my own home like two, three times. So I just unwind a little because I know yes. I don't want to bring that home. Yeah, hundred percent. Do a little hakafa, as they say. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. Wait, any any other tips? So listening to music, just to, to tap in because I I, um, I feel that that's definitely a um, you know I'll share something with you, yeah. uh, Jordana. You might appreciate this. I saw this in the Rebbe's Haggadah. Lubavitcher Rebbe Zechatzak Lavracha has an awesome commentary on the Haggadah that we use around the Passover Seder. And he quotes that passage in the Talmud that you and I were just discussing, that a man's way is to conquer, and it says a woman's way is to nurture. And he also goes like you just did. I was thinking about this while he was speaking because he says the same thing about biologically. What does a man do? A man superimposes from without, right? And a woman nurtures from within. And that's really how children are created, just you know, uh, scientifically, biologically. Right, the the um, the sperm fertilizes the egg. Right, that's right. The sperm is coming in from the outside. The egg is, and yes. and the Rebbe goes on to say it's a brilliant idea that what does a woman do in all of her months of gestation? She's nurturing this child from within, and he actually says that the goal of human existence is to feminize the masculine. Mm. The masculine is to conquer. The the feminine is to nurture from within. And the ultimate goal in Judaism, he says, is not to impose our Judaism on other people, but to somehow grow by tapping into your soul that you have within you, by, by growing spiritually, by tapping into what already exists within you. That's a higher now. That doesn't always work. That's why we have an outreach organization to go out and try to inspire people. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is to inspire other people to look inside and to connect with their own soul through the Torah and the mitzvot, of course. I just wanted to share that. I just thought, but let me ask you this, because my friend Shmuley Boteach um, calls himself America's rabbi. He likes to talk about this stuff. And I think he was inspired a little by the Rebbe. He's, he's a Chabad guy. And, um, you know, he said that with women in the workforce, with women out there and expected to dazzle and to impose, it's, it's going to get harder for that, feminizing, nurturing feature to be, to come into play. And that's going to wreak havoc in relationship building. And just in terms of what the whole goal of Judaism, which is not to conquer, but to nurture from within. Now, I don't know if I have a question here. I just wanted to throw that out and see <laughs> okay, if you so, had a reaction to that. Yes, yeah, so I have a few reactions. Um, yeah. So I'll, let me, so my brain is also focused. I want to talk about the womb and I want to talk about uh, being attractive versus attracting. Okay. So let's start with the womb. Okay. Cause you were, I want to go mm -hmm. first thing first and second, second. So you were talking about oh, how a woman is nurturing. So again, when we talk about a woman who carries the baby, she carries the baby in her womb for nine months. The womb in Hebrew is called a rechem. Rechem comes the word rachamim, pity, compassion. And that's where a woman develops this connection with her child from within. It's an inward thing. I mean, anybody who's anybody who had the privilege to have carried a baby knows 
one of the most challenging things is, is to get a cold when you're pregnant. <laughs> Because you can't take cold medicine and you learn to be self-sacrificing and you really, you know, bond with that child because we're so accustomed to taking the cold medicine and, and having relief from these horrible cold symptoms. Like the, like the cold is the silliest thing. Because if you have an infection, you can take antibiotics. But a simple cold, you cannot take the medicine if you're pregnant. And so you really learn to develop a connection with that child already from the from those nine months. And it's all based on the word rechem, something that's inward, that compassion, that nurturing character trait that's within the woman naturally. Okay, so that's one thing I wanted to talk about, that natural thing. And, and a good beautiful. tip, I guess a good feminine tip, again, besides listening to the music, if you're having a hard time tapping into your feminine side, then maybe try to do something that, if you're in a relationship with a man and you're having a hard time tapping into it, maybe try to figure out what would be a nurturing thing. Um, if let's say, let's go with the cold thing, right? If you're dating somebody and, he, and the guy has a cold, you know, maybe make something for him. You know, e even if you don't bake and you don't cook, believe it or not, you can buy frozen cookie dough, <laughs> put it in the oven and give it to him. These are feminine things that they would appreciate just putting it out there. Yeah. Okay. That's just, you know, tapping or even purchasing chicken soup and delivering it to them. It's, he, it's a, it's a winner. It's such a yes, winner. Isn't I mean, it a winner? Thank you. It sounds thank so old fashioned, but it's the sweetest it, thing in the world. And exactly. Thank you. And see, see that's tapping into your feminine side and it. And you know what, if you're some strong business lady, then ask your assistant to do it. And he doesn't even have to know you didn't pick up the chicken soup but you thought of him and you had it delivered to him yeah. i mean <laughs> i tell i tell guys who are let's say starting to feel something in a relationship but not what they feel is enough and i always say what have you done for her right and you know, what have i done for her? we go on our own dates we're going out i'm taking her to this i'm going to that but you know i always said like dating is a very difficult place to feel because feelings come from giving. Love, the Hebrew word for love, ava is based on hav, to give. If you don't give, so I've actually recommended, and it's worked pretty well. I did it when I was dating, go out and buy her a gift. And I know that's not tapping into it. That's more of a like, not because you're tapping into anything feminine, but because if you don't sacrifice, like you just said, like when you're pregnant and you can't take cold medication, like you're being taught to sacrifice for the child. Like, what sacrifices are you making for this person that you're going to start feeling for them? Like yeah. you need to do something for the other person. Right. So, so I, I don't know. I've said that to a lot of guys also. Also advice to men. Also yeah. that could be given. If you, um, this is my own, again, my own thing. If you want to show that you are connected, that you want a connection with a woman. Okay. You ready? It's mm -hmm. <laughs> some people think I'm totally loony on this. So get ready. Shachris Mincha Marif. You ready? Just like men are obligated to daven with a minion, to pray with a minion, morning, afternoon, and evening, I think that is a model for how to connect to our higher power. That is a model for us on how to connect to humans as well. You like this woman? Shachrus, send her a good morning text. Mincha, check in with her and say, how's your day going? Mariv, wish her good night. <laughs> Wow. And I think if you do those three, wow. thank you. So I always tell. And what, do you, and, what, and what do you tell those guys? Well, I'm not sure if I want to 
you know, like, I'm not sure if I'm, and I'm going to be leading Iran. She's going to think I like her more than I actually do. What, what do you say? I know this is not the topic. We'll, we'll get back to the, the, <laughs> the, femi- the feminism issues in a minute. But I, what, what, what do you what do you tell such a person? I mean, I'm curious. What, but, what would you tell them? If a man said, but I'm not sure to make that commitment of texting her three times a day. Well, I don't know if it's a commitment, but it's like, <laughs> is it going to be leading her on if I end up like wanting to break up with her in two weeks? Okay. So you break up with her in two weeks. Whoopie doo But if you want to invest in a relationship, yeah, yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's that's how it has to be. That that's if somebody wanted to invest in a relationship with me, Shachris <laughs> Minchamara. Love it, love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now I think there was what was the other thing that you had said, and I said we'll get back to. Oh, attractive oh. and attracting, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I guess back on track. I'm used to this. So anyway, um, you know, I need to, I need discipline. I'm all over the place. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, attractive. There's a difference between, and this is another feminine tip. There's a difference between being a, attracting versus being attractive. When you look in the mirror, I, I, I think a woman when when they look in the mirror, they should feel attractive, but they shouldn't feel that they're attracting now. There are a lot of men in this world and they could be attracted to anything, 100%, okay? But I think we can definitely um, fine-tune and gauge and weigh out. When you look in the mirror, are you looking attracting to every single human being or are you looking attractive? And and really be conscious of that. When you're going to be with a man, make sure you're attractive, whatever it takes. You know, if if the guy uh, is somebody who seems to be liking makeup, put on a little bit more makeup. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, there there are certain uh, ways to dress that you're still modest, but you're still attractive and you still look feminine. But again, and, and what's a, and what's attracting? What did you mean by attracting? Attracting, which is, which is you what you don't want. You don't. Okay. Oh gosh, I'm really putting myself in trouble here. Well, I don't know. You said it. I, I got the attractive part. I didn't understand the attractive. <laughs> attracting is, for me, it would be, you know, um, letting too much be exposed. Oh, trying not, to get, no, not trying to attract everybody, basically. Right. You're okay. giving over too much information or exposing yourself too much um, when you want to leave a little bit hidden and private. <laughs> That's well, t- tell us from a female perspective. I mean, I'll tell you from a male perspective. I've said this to so many people over, like, I'll tell you from a male perspective how it's more attractive, um, you know, th- than trying to get, you know, the, you know, the, the proverbial construction worker whistling as you walk by. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but, but tell us from a, a female perspective, why? Why is that such a value to be attractive, not attracting? Um, because you feel like garbage, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it attacks your self-worth that you're seen for your body and not for who you are on the inside. Like what, what is, what are you attracted to? Are you attracted to what every other person has or are you attracted or you do find me, or do you find me? Me attractive? Do you find Jordana attractive? Or do you find that I'm attracting because I'm a female? Social media for me was quite challenging in the beginning because here I am giving out Torah content 
and I was getting feedback from people, but it wasn't related to my Torah contact. It wasn't related to my being, my core. They were commenting on my physical appearance. And it was very disheartening. It was very disappointing to me in the beginning. And then as I learned to put up strong boundaries and I'm like, you know, didn't respond, blocked, whatever I needed to do. And now, now today it doesn't even happen uh, today. But in the beginning, it was challenging. So that's when I'm talking about, you know, a person could be attractive, but un unfortunately there's still people out there that are going to look at you as attracting, you know, and, you know, no matter as, what you're you saying as, as an object, as more of as an, an object. object. Right. So that, so when you dress, when a woman looks in the mirror, realize that what you're presenting, what you want to present is who you are. Your clothing should represent your being, your inwards, your insides. You don't want to be just showing whatever's on the outside. And what would you say to someone then who just feels and this is going to be, this is hard. Like it, okay. it, they just, they want to feel attractive, not attracting. They want to feel attractive. And this, this clothing that I'm wearing, which is revealing, um, is a in, that's what everyone else is wearing. That's, you know, and B, um, you know, maybe it'll attract the right guy. Um, you know, guys, you know, are kind of base people. And this, this should, this should be helpful in attracting guy, or it just makes me feel sexy. And I want to feel sexy. I don't want to feel like I have to cover up because covering up in many people's minds is like, you know, not, it's either like, I'm ashamed. Like if, if, if God gave me this beautiful body, why shouldn't I show it off? I mean, I'm playing a little devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm I, curious I, I, response. I know, I know you're playing devil's advocate, you know, um, before I answer that, I'll, I'll go back to just so that people understand where I'm coming from, because I think sometimes people don't know who the speaker is. So again, I grew up modern Orthodox. I was wearing pants and shorts, and it was only later on in life that I gradually became stronger in my outward appearances. That's how I like to put it. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to say that I went from modern Orthodoxy to Orthodoxy. That's it, you know? So now you could although, know- Although I, 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 it's, it's like painful for me to hear that, like, oh, I grew up modern Orthodox and therefore I wear shorts and, you know, cause modern Orthodox is a, is a full commitment to halakha. So it should yes. be like, I, I know, you know, this too. I'm just, it's Thank just you. like, unfortunately it's become synonymous with a little of a compromised halakha when it comes to certain areas, not just, yes, correct. not just, yes, not that's just what modesty. I'm saying. So, yeah. Exactly. So I, I, okay. So I, I was pretty halachic when I was raised, I had a Jewish education. Um, but on the outside, as a woman, if I was walking down mm -hmm. the street, you would not have known I was Jewish. That right. That's basically, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And as I got older, I took on more of the outward observances. That's how I usually like to explain it. So I get that concept. I understand, you know, I've heard that, oh, I want to look sexy, but why? <laughs> that, you know... Again, I, the way I dress, I feel great about myself. I think I, again, I'm not egotistical. I just, I, I think I look great. I, I feel good. I feel good about who I am because I feel good in my insides. You know, you could, you, I, I find that when someone is showing off too much, it means that it's, it, they're really covering up. They're, they're exposing themselves physically, but they're really covering up what's going wrong on the inside. It's like somebody once told me that um, when 
uh, unfortunately, sometimes I used to be much heavier also than I am today. And, mm -hmm. and this was true. You know, when, when somebody is, has an issue with food and they overeat, their outside body is really letting you know that they're troubled in the inside, mm -hmm. that there's something going on in their inside that they're, you know, for me, it was emotional eating. So I had a, things mm -hmm. that I was struggling with. So the same thing, your clothing and the way you dress is really sending a message out to the people about how you feel about yourself on the inside. So I don't think, I generally do not think that if you are exposing yourself so much, it's because you feel great about your body and you want to flaunt it. I think you don't feel great about your body and there's something a little bit off on your self-worth. Again, generalization. I don't mean to attack anybody here. I don't want anyone to go crazy on me now afterwards. But I, I, that's my personal feeling and that you're trying to compensate for something else. Like my mom used to say when I was growing up, if she ever saw people that were publicly affectionate, you know, and you out, out on the streets making out, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She would always tell me that if people have to show their affection, it means something's wrong in the home that they feel the need to show it off to the world, that means there's something wrong in their intimacy, mm -hmm. probably in the household. And what if someone just says, listen, this is the style. You know, okay, so is, now- This is the about style, and I'm not, even, I'm not even thinking about my inside, my outside, how I'm feeling about myself, just like the way the, the short skirt looks or the this. And by the way, I, I, we're only talking about women. There are laws of tzniyot having to do with men also, but. But, you know, it comes up, I think, more in the context of women and dress. Um, okay. So what, what would you say in terms of that? Because that's like, you know, unfortunately, like what I totally agree with what you're saying. And I'm, I'm happy you came on the podcast to say it. <laughs> I want my listeners to hear this. I'm being honest. You were just so honest before. And I really appreciate that. Just yeah. your own struggles. I, um, <laughs> I love that. And I, but but in, in our society, you know, people don't. Um, flaunt what they have simply because they're insecure. They're flaunting it because that's what everyone else is doing. That's the that's the okay. that, 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 that's the fashion. Those are the those are the that's what's on the racks, you know, and in in the stores. Yes and no. I think yes and no. So this is where my mm -hmm. middle school teacher hat is coming on. Okay, mm -hmm. and my fashion sense, which I think I have a great one at it. Um, <laughs> it's not true. There, the fashion comes and goes, first of all. In today's day and age, right now, if you look at what's fashionable, it's long, modest clothing. And, and I, kudos to the Muslim world for doing that for us, right? So they, they've really brought back that, um, that concept of floral, uh, what we call midi, maxi looks. So... That's what you're really going to find in the stores now, like in anything else. And this is true to form. When high fashion might be mini skirts, thigh high, booty shorts, whatever you want to use, crop tops, no matter what the, the terms are, you will always be able to find the other as well. So just as much high fashion right now is more of a modest clothing, you could still find people not dressing modestly. So I, I don't I don't find that that's a good enough excuse to be mm -hmm. used in today's day and age with the uh, surplus 
of clothing that people have, the surplus of fashion, the surplus of different people trying to identify themselves by the way they dress and how and how the messages they want to give over. I don't think that flies at all as an excuse. That's just me. Right. And, and you, you feel I mean, there is this teaching about um, the idea not of shame, but the idea of sort of personal integrity, that clothing. Um, the clothing, the garments that we put on, you're saying that the more, it's not like the more we cover, but if we are that revealing, you're saying that there is, it could imply that someone is not feeling so great about themselves in general, because if they were, they wouldn't have to flaunt how awesome I look. Yes. Because they're feeling exactly. good about their own sense of self. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and tell me, I, I, um, tell me also a lot of, um, People look at, you know, the idea of, let's say, a married woman or a married woman after some after they're divorced also will cover their hair or keep their hair covered from the marriage. Uh, there, yep. There's a right. I see that there's a debate on that, but I see that you're doing that. And Koloka vote to you. It seems to, it, to play into this whole notion of religious women being. I don't know if it's submissive or, um, you know, not proud of their bodies like, you know, for, I'm just curious. How does um, covering your hair resonate with you spiritually? Do you do it simply because that's what halacha seems to, you know, demand, or is it, or is there something deeper than that even? Okay, so you ready for real, uh, real raw honesty? You ready? Yeah. Okay, so here we go. So the first, thing, the first time I got married, I was married twice. First time I got married, I was nineteen, and I and I and I didn't know how I was going to take to covering my hair. My mom mm -hmm. doesn't cover her hair and wasn't something that I grew up with. So it wasn't something that I saw, but it was something that I truly believed in, learned and wanted to do. And I had taken it to such an extreme where when I got married, I wanted to be like Kim Khi. So just so that your audience knows, Kim Khi was known as a woman in the Talmud that didn't allow the walls of her home to see her hair. And then she was... Um, rewarded, I guess, her seven sons became the great priests, the high priests. Mm -hmm. So I said, I am going to be like Kim Khi. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't allow the walls of my home to see my hair. That was, I was really strict about it. I only uncovered my hair in the bathroom. That's you had six thing. kids, so you're getting close. Yeah, well, that, but I got divorced <laughs> soon after. Okay, okay. Or soon after I had a five month old baby and I got divorced uh -huh. and um, I had certain issues. Was I going to continue to cover my hair or not? You know, that was very difficult for me. And um, I had to deal with that. And one of the things that was presented to me and that I studied and I spoke to my mentors and my teachers is that the concept of um, a person should go up in holiness and not go down in their holiness. Um, that when, when we take something on, we should try to be consistent and be dedicated to it and not to go down a notch. You know, you wanna, you wanna always be rising in your life in, in all areas, right? Work, don't we all want raises? Don't of we course, all wanna move forward in gotta, life? Gotta keep, gotta keep growing. Gotta keep growing. So I, I had left the wig on, but I said I wasn't gonna be kimchi. I said, I don't have to go to such extremes. 
And I decided that I want to make sure that I look really good. So I made sure to get a nice wig. I make sure because, again, it's about feeling good about myself when I look in the mirror. I want to make sure that I felt attractive and I liked what I saw. And then I got remarried. And I by, had, by the way, I, by the way, I just want to stop you there. I really appreciate just the last line you just shared because it, it is not about being unattractive. And sometimes right. people feel that way. Like the whole goal of a woman becoming more modest, covering their hair is so that she can look and feel schlumpy. That's just exactly no. the opposite of what you're sharing. No, no. So I, um, so I got remarried, had five more kids. Um, and still continue to cover my hair. But I never went back to that extreme level of kimchi. And then recently, about a little more than two years ago, I got divorced. And again, it was already since age 19, I've been covering my hair. And it, and it, and even when I was scared originally when I first got married, and after having these two, I could say, bad tastes in my mouth for marriage, it, it, didn't, it didn't affect me on the hair covering. In the beginning, I was nervous that these would be reminders of unsuccessful connections I had. I guess that's mm -hmm. a way to put it. Um, but it, it didn't. Like it, They weren't bad reminders. And now at this point, I'm just telling it like it is. Let me tell you. I, <laughs> I'm known for this. I take a shower. I come out of the shower. I am ready within five minutes. I'm not blow drying my hair. I'm not doing anything. I put, I feel like I come out of a salon and I'm ready to go and walk out that door. And, okay, so this and, is, this is not a, this is not a terribly deep theological argument. No, I'm just being real. Like, hey, I'm it's, just, it's, it's just easier. It's just okay. so much easier. I'm just being okay, real. So, that, I mean, so maybe, that's a good, maybe that's a good new way to promote this mitzvah. Yeah, forget about I'm, the philosophy. I'm, I'm saving my real hair for my husband. Forget all that. When you get out of the shower, you can just put the shadow on and go out. I love it. Okay. I'm, I'm being real. I'm being just so real. I don't know how else to... Do I believe in it? Yes. I'm not doing it because right, that right. it makes my uh, prep time in half. I'm not doing it because of that. But I'm just saying there are so many benefits to it. Um, so that's for sure, for me, a tremendous benefit. But I, I don't find any resentment but what, what resonates spiritually with you about it? That's what I'm interested in. Um, it makes me feel special. I don't know. Like it, it, it taps into something. It taps into my personal connection. If I could now go full circle for you a little bit, if that's yeah. okay. I know because we're yeah. probably like coming to the end of it. Yeah. Come full circle about uh, a woman's role, a man's role, um, feminine, uh, male tendencies. I once gave a sheer on this. I once gave a class that a man is compared to the sun and the woman is compared to the moon. And when you go back to uh, the very, again, I go back to the Bible. You go back to the beginning of Genesis and creation and you have the creation of the celestial beings. And it talks about over there that God created two large, Merot, right? Two large celestial beings. And then it says, So Rashi asks a famous question. What do you mean? You just said in the same verse, there were two large ones. How did one get big and one get small now? So Rashi is quoting 
a Talmud Chulin, and he explains that when they were created, it says Shavim Nivru, they were created equally, came the moon and complained, it protested, Katriga, it protested and said, how can two kings share one crown? And God said, you're right. Two kings won't share one crown. I'll make you smaller. So basically the parable is that how can two large celestial beings share one sky? And God says, okay, you're right. It can happen. So I'll leave the sun intact and you, the moon, will be made smaller. Now, usually that ends the study right there and there because that's what Rashi quotes. But that's what Rashi's quoting. But you need to go back to the Talmud. And you go back to the Talmud and the actual original source. There's a major conversation going on between God and the moon. And basically, if you go through it, God was trying to appease the moon, but needed to understand what was the real issue that the moon had. And basically, the moon was saying, I do not want to reflect the sun. God, I want to be as close as I can to you. Why do I have to reflect the sun? I want to reflect you, God. That's what I want. So it's interesting. If I put up a mirror right right over here and i look in the mirror i could only reflect reflect what's in front of the mirror so if, if a woman is only going to reflect whatever the man is that's not anything amazing what god then allowed the woman to have is this connection as being compared to the moon we get to reflect god so when you see me or you see another woman you could actually see something divine, some divine connection. Uh, the sh that's where it comes, the shechina. The shechina being an effeminine form, God's actual presence. That a yeah, woman has that capability. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the, the Hebrew term that we use for perceiving God in the physical world is feminine. It's the shechina, yes. which is interesting. I didn't think about that until just now. Yeah, yes. keep going, please. Yeah. yeah. So, so. So the woman and the moon, that was what the moon had wanted. And that's, if you go back to that Talmud, I don't know if you're familiar. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with it, Rabbi Walt. If you go back to that Talmud, it then goes off that, that God says to the moon, okay, I'm going to give you Rosh Chodesh. But, the moon, but God says to the moon, in order to receive, in order to reflect me, I need to make you smaller. Because if you want to take in, you want to be the receiver, right? Women as the receiver, you need to make yourself smaller. Who is the most humble man that we know in history that gives the Torah? Moses. It had to be the most humble man, the man that knew how to allow God's presence in. Which mountain did we receive the Torah on? The smallest mountain, because that's where Torah is going to exist. That's where Torah is going to reflect. So the moon then developed this special connection with God, became the reflector, and we as women are compared to the moon. And the wow. men are the, the, the wow. sun. And that's, the why, that, that's, I assume, how Rosh Chodesh became synonymous oh, with the women. With yes, women, exactly. Became a woman's holiday. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That was very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, I... I um, I thank you for reflecting. Oh, wait, one last thing. And this is a shameless yes. plug um, before we part ways. 
uh, I will send you a copy of the 40 day challenge. Yes. Tell us how you prepare. I see your posts. Uh, the 40 day challenges for those of you listening in, uh, not knowledgeable about this. These are daily Jewish insights to prepare for the high holidays. I did this last year. We're going to be starting it on August 26th. You can join the WhatsApp group, get the book, read a five minute piece of Torah every day to prepare yourself during the high holiday season, starting on Rosh Chodesh Av all the way till Yom Kippur. Uh, check out JewishExperience.org for that. But I, I've been asking all of my guests these last couple of weeks, because <clears throat> um, you're putting out some great content. You teach in a school, you're the dean of a middle school, Jewish day, middle school for Jewish day school. You got a lot of content to put out there. What do you do to prepare? How, how do you, how do you, I don't know, work it out? Give me some tips on preparation. Uh well, there are all different things that you're asking me. You're tapping into different things to prepare for school that I just, I learn, I learn a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I try to pick, uh, a new commentary, a new rabbi of some sort or a new book. And I read that on, on the Torah portions that I know that I'm going to be teaching. So right now I'm very big into Orchaim. So Orachim is something that I like to learn on uh, Shabbat morning, and I, I try to tap into that. Last year, I top, tapped in a lot to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. The year before that, I did Yemima Mizrahi. I do oh, wow. also uh, Rabbi Foreman. I was doing a lot of... So this is just a little sneak peek into Jordana Barachov's brain. So I do nice. I do that uh, when I... Oh, and Rav Pincus for some years but oh, wow. after that. Yeah. So Rav Pincus was the whole moon one. Just to let well, you know, the, that these, all of those names by the Orachim Kodesh is unbelievable. And there's a new art scroll translation on the Orachim, yeah. which is, you have it. It's excellent. Yeah. Look yeah. at all of your incredible posting. You should continue to inspire and educate and really continue to be the extraordinary role model you are for women in general. I don't just mean Jewish women. I think for women and really for, for the entire Jewish community. Um, Jordana, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your pearls of wisdom and your expertise and Hashem should bless you with continued growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, and you should continue to be Marvitz Torah and to spread and share Torah in the very, very unique and beautiful way that you do. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for coming as well. Really. Thank you.